When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. What's up? How are you doing? I'm great. Good. How, how are you? Everything is chaos. <laughs> Everything is chaos. That's right. Your desk <laughs> Don't, is I, whoa, I, a source of chaos. I'm I coming am, for the throat. I am pretty sure that I just asked for zero criticism on my desk. I'm very fragile. <laughs> I, well, I need none of it. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I want to improve my life. I'm doing little <laughs> things at a time to make myself a better person. My desk is not a very high priority right now. And that's the thesis. Okay. And that's all I have to say about that. But it was just one of those days. It was like, I, I feel like I was just not with it this week. And I, I needed to research and now record and then edit all in one day. And it's just going to be one of those one of those days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does anyone else have those weeks where you just don't want to do shit? <laughs> yeah. That's yes. where we're at. No, but you know. I'm I'm happy to be back. We took like a little tiny break from recording where we had to like pre-record a couple episodes again. True. Um, but and we're, back. and we're back to normal scheduled programming. I mean, nothing ever. You you guys wouldn't know. You have but no idea, right? It's all a show. <laughs> but but anyway, I'm. Uh, it's good to be recording uh, again, and here we are. Yeah. What 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 are we talking? about? Yeah. What, what the are we fuck doing? are we talking about? What are we today? doing here? Um, today. Yeah, we're we're talking about. The girl in the bunker. The girl in the bunker again? No, it's a different girl in a different <laughs> bunker. Jesus Christ! Um, le- <laughs> Listen, many... there's a lot of girls in a lot of bunkers. That's gonna be something that we talk about a lot um, throughout the time. This is so fucked of the podcast. But um, this is just uh, a different girl in another in bunker. A different bunker. <laughs> Pretty much. Right. Um, so. Okay. Is this is depressing? Listen. Like, we can't, we're not going to prejudge the story because that's just no, no fun. All right. So. Okay. But I'm just saying, okay, well, just continue. Don't just say, no, just saying. <laughs> anyway, here is my sources. So we have Dateline NBC, uh, Into the Woods by Keith Morrison. And then we have a documentary that was called Elizabeth Schof, The Girl in the Bunker, directed by Texas Crew Productions, LLC. And you can find that on Amazon Prime if you so choose. So yeah, let's get started, shall we? So we are going to take our story to Lugoff, South Carolina in the year 2006. Is that okay with you? Great year. Great. Amazing. Lugoff is an extremely small town. It's a country town and they didn't see a lot of crime. Madeline and Don Schof had three children and decided to move to Lugoff specifically because it was so safe. And they had Susie, who was their oldest daughter, Donnie, who was their youngest, and then Elizabeth, who was the middle child. And Elizabeth was a teenager, 
At the time, she was, I believe, 14 years old. She was stubborn and smart, but responsible, loved to listen to music. She would blast it in her room every chance she got. Hell yeah. And had just started listening to rock music, so it was always blaring, which is super fun. Love that. Rock on. (laughs) Rock on. (laughs) So, literally. So that year... Elizabeth was 14 years old and had just started high school. And she was a little bit nervous to start high school because she had always been a shy person, but she had just started dating her boyfriend at the time and she was happy. So September 6th, 2006 was a Wednesday. And that morning, Elizabeth got up for school as she normally would. And she woke up a little late that day and her mother was trying to rush everyone out of the house because she had to drive her kids to the bus stop. And they only lived a few minutes down the road from the bus stop, but you know, it was only a few minutes until the bus got there. So they were rushing. And right as they pulled up to the bus stop, Elizabeth told her mother that she had to go back home because she left her mascara and she needed it for school. And her mom was like, no, don't. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. Her mom was like, you'll survive one day of school without your mascara. You're fine. So as any teenager would, she slammed the car door and angrily got on the school bus. And from there, she had a normal day of school, but now we're going to skip forward to her school bus ride home. So she got off the bus at the bus stop with about four other kids that she knew, and they all started walking up the road, you know, to their homes. And as they were walking, one of the boys' older brothers pulled up in a small yellow car and offered to give everyone a ride home. And even though it was a super small car, everyone pretty much crammed in the car and Elizabeth was the last person standing on the side of the road and they were like, do you want to ride? And she was like, well, you know, everyone's crammed in and at this point I'm already halfway home and she knew that they were probably just going to go hang out somewhere somewhere else anyway. So she decided she'd just walk the rest of the way by herself. So from the bus stop to her house, the walk was about a quarter of a mile, but her driveway was about half of an acre down the hill. And the road she lived off of was surrounded by woods. It was a very heavily wooded area. I'm pretty sure the entire like town of Lugoff is pretty wooded, you know? Um, and as Elizabeth was walking down her driveway, she heard some shuffling in the leaves to her right. And when she looked up into the woods, there was a man standing a little bit off the path wearing what looked like a sheriff's badge. And she didn't know it at the time, but this badge was handmade. But to her... It looked like a man in a uniform who had authority, you know, and he approached her and he said that he was with the Kershaw County Sheriff's Department and that she was under arrest. And he told her that the police were at her house currently because they had found marijuana on her property and they had her 12-year-old brother already in custody. So she needed to come with him and answer some questions. Over weed. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Fuck it was 2006. That. I mean, it's still... But, I mean, also it was a complete lie, but it was... I mean, I get it. 2006. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she asked where her little brother was because she and her little brother were the only ones who would have been home at the time and she saw herself as the protective older sister. And this, quote, police officer told Elizabeth that another officer had her little brother, but she needed to come with him. That way, the police could interrogate them. And as he was saying this, he handcuffed her and also tied a small box around her neck. He told her that the box was a bomb, and if she tried to run away or take it off, it would detonate. Okay, so I think it's safe to say that police don't do that. Yeah. And that that's probably illegal 
Well, yeah. You I might. Probably. Probably. Don't know that for sure. No sources, but seems like something you should do. I think that's correct yeah. assumption. Cool. Um, but Elizabeth said that she wasn't sure how you were supposed to arrest a minor, but she went along with it and they began walking through the woods. Yeah, that's so fucked. She has, I mean, she has no idea. She's never been arrested. She's 14. She's 14. Yeah. This dude puts a box. Mm-hmm. He tied a box around her neck with like a, I don't know if it was a rope. Like or... a cardboard box? Like what? No, like a bomb. He tied a bomb around her neck. Like an actual bomb. Like he's not fucking around. He's not bluffing. No. Oh, holy shit. I thought this was just the farce. Like, no, the, oh, the... it's a bomb. Oh, but it's no. actually a bomb. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So that was also like another just red flag immediately uh, was the fact that they continued to walk further into the woods instead of, you know, down her driveway to a police car. It was, they just walked into the woods. So they actually walked directly past her house in the woods. And she even saw her dogs, Stuart and Boomer, and they were barking at them as they walked past. But they just kept walking further into the woods. And while they were walking, Elizabeth starts to ask where they are, where's Donnie, where are we going? Because now she's realizing just how bad of a situation she's actually in. She's handcuffed in the middle of the woods alone with this random man who she has no idea who he is, what is going on. She's got a bomb around her neck. Like she's has no idea what's happening. So he just told her that they were going to be there soon. They're, everyone is just right up ahead. Yeah, right, douche. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It'll just right, it'll be right there. Right. Just, it'll keep going further into the woods. Yeah. But after walking a little further into the woods, he finally stopped her and he told her straight up that he had kidnapped her. He's like, I think you can tell that I'm not a police officer and I'm kidnapping you. And as he's walking her further into the woods, she is absolutely just crying and begging for her life at this point. So after about an hour of walking through the woods and trails, they stopped again and he reached toward the ground and brushed some leaves away to expose a rope. And when he pulled on the rope, a door to an underground bunker came up out of the ground. Elizabeth said that it was covered so well with brush and leaves that you would never know anything was there. And so she's looking into this hole in the ground and she thinks at that moment that she's looking into her grave. And that's when he told her to climb in. So back at Elizabeth's house, her little brother is home by himself when the phone rings. And he picked up the phone and it's his mother calling from work. And she asks him if Elizabeth is home yet. Because every day when Elizabeth would get home from school, she would call her mother to let her know that she had gotten home safely. But that day she never made it home to do that. So around five o'clock, since she hadn't heard anything from her daughter, Madeline called home and found out that Elizabeth wasn't there. And Madeline immediately knew that was weird. And so she called Elizabeth's best friend, Amanda, to see if she was with her. But Amanda tells Madeline that the last time she saw Elizabeth was at the bus stop and she was walking toward her house. So there really was no reason why she shouldn't be home. And at that point, Madeline knew something was wrong. So she told her job that she didn't know what was going on at home, but she had to leave and check on her children, and then she left. Her husband, Don, was out hunting for the day, so he had no idea what was going on at this point. Um, And Madeline's youngest, Donnie, was out looking for Elizabeth when Madeline got home. And as soon as she gets inside the house, 
She just immediately calls 911 to let them know that her daughter is missing. And when she first reported Elizabeth missing, the cops didn't take it seriously at all. They figured that this kid was just mad at their parents and had run away for the day. But Madeline knew that her daughter didn't run away. That would have been, first of all, just very out of character for Elizabeth. And, you know, sure, they had a small argument that morning, but it was nothing that would warrant a a runaway situation. You know, she knew that. The argument that Elizabeth had with her mother that morning did come up in the conversation about where she went, but Madeline insisted that it wasn't a big enough fight for her to run away. She just wouldn't do that. But the police at this point weren't really buying that. And although the police thought that she was a runaway, they did start to search the woods around Elizabeth's home because even if she is a runaway, she's 14 years old and, you know, they are going to help find her. So they started there. And then they moved on to interviewing her classmates and they told the police that the last time they saw her, she was walking up the road toward home and that that's all they had to go off of. All they have to go off of is she was walking up the road, I guess. How how far was the distance? It seemed like it was a walkable distance. So at least they kind of have like, I don't know what, a short like a small enough area to search between where she was in the home. Well, yeah, I mean, the walk itself wasn't very far, but like I said, the surrounding area is very much like woods everywhere. So she could be in the woods somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, if you got to cover, you know, a couple miles of woods, I feel like you could probably do that with a team of a few people in one day or something. That's kind of where they're starting. They also started talking to known sex offenders in the area to see if they could gain any insight from them. However, that didn't really help either. All they knew at this point was that Elizabeth was on foot the last time that anyone had seen her, and the easiest way to find someone who should be on foot is a bloodhound. So they also brought in some bloodhounds to aid in the search for Elizabeth. Hell yeah. Which is good. The fact that they're starting to search so early is very good, but they didn't know what they were dealing with at this point, and it's, like, so much more than just that. But, so, after... we're Now we're going to go back to, you know, where Elizabeth is and what she's dealing with. So, after Elizabeth climbed into the bunker, the man climbed in after her, and immediately he asked her if she was a virgin. And after she said that she was, he immediately raped her. After that, he took a chain that he had connected to a beam on the ceiling of the bunker and put it around her neck to keep her from escaping. He also told her that he had planted bombs all around the bunker and outside because he had the idea to leave her in there and wait for the cops to come and find her, and then he'd blow the whole bunker up along with the police. This bunker was an eight foot deep, eight foot wide hole in the ground that he dug out himself and he had a ladder leading, you know, into it constructed out of branches and ropes just tied together. He had shelves and a bed down there that were all handmade out of sticks and he had a miniature TV, a radio, a taser, handcuffs, a gun, random trash, a small camping stove, and open cans of food. It was just like exposed dirt and like sticks and gross shit like it was just gross and worst of all it was less than a mile from her home no way yeah so the entire hour that he's walking her around the woods he is just walking her through random trails and in circles to kind of disorient her so she doesn't know where she is but in reality she is less than a mile from her home isn't that crazy 
So fucked. Yeah. So her kidnapper was Vincent Filia. He was a 36-year-old alcoholic, on-again, off-again construction worker who had been on the run from Kershaw County Sheriff's Office for almost a year. And when I say on the run, I mean literally living in this bunker for this year and a half that he was on the run. He had allegations against him for sexually abusing his girlfriend's 12-year-old daughter, Amberly, or as Vincent used to call her, Peanut. That makes me want to throw up. Yeah. And this situation with Amberly is absolutely fucked because Vincent told Amberly that everything he was doing to her was out of love, first of all, which is just disgusting. And then he said that if she told anyone about it, he'd kill her brother or her mother. And when she finally did have the courage to speak up to her mother about what was going on, she didn't believe her. Are you fucking kidding me? No, unfortunately, I'm not kidding. The only reason anything happened about this was because Amberly finally confided in a teacher at school who then called the police. Oh my God, thank God for that teacher. Yeah. Jesus. The police had gone to his house with the Department of Social Services several times, but Vincent was never there when they showed up and they couldn't find him. Eventually, Kershaw County Police took the children from the home and moved them to Georgia. They took the children out of the home, but, you know, the girlfriend was still there and Vincent was still somewhere, you know? So it was just the children were removed, thankfully. Vincent was so mad at the allegations against him that he wanted to get back at the police for what they had done, meaning take the children out of the home, and he planned for months to do what he was doing right now with Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was just collateral damage in this, like, grand revenge plot against the police. So he is stealing her solely to get back at the police. Is it in the same county? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, Elizabeth's home is like, it's like Elizabeth's home and Vincent's, like, property where he lived with his girlfriend are, you know, two places and then in between is right where the bunker is. So they lived very close to each other and the bunker is literally in between that less than a mile away from Elizabeth's house. Oh my God. And he doesn't know how close it is? Oh no, he knows. He's, but he was like watching her. Oh, he was casing He, he her. planned this for months. Okay. I didn't know that he planned it for her specifically. Well, I mean, I don't know that he like wanted her specifically, but he wanted, I'm sure he just saw her one day and was like, yep, that's cool. That's good. Yeah. Also in all of this, like, yeah, like, yeah, the police are really the problem here. You right. Know? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, so let's go back to the bunker, unfortunately. So at this point, it's getting to be nighttime and panic had completely set in because by this time, everyone was out looking for Elizabeth, but you know, they just had no idea where she was. Her entire family and friends and the police were out walking the woods to see if they could find her. And not only that, but they had helicopters flying over the woods with a searchlight as well. So this was like a, a big search at this point, and it's pretty early on, so that's good. And down in the bunker, Elizabeth and Vincent would hear footsteps through the leaves close by and see shadows above the door and the searchlights shining through. No. But through all of that, Vincent would hold his hand over Elizabeth's mouth and a gun to her, and he told her that if, he, if she screamed, he would shoot her. So literally the search party is above them directly, like multiple times, and she can't do anything. I can't even imagine. Because he told her multiple times that 
if you scream, one, I will shoot you, and two, this entire thing is rigged with explosives, so I will kill not only both of us, but whoever is outside. Fuck, so, yeah, he was willing to go. Yeah, he's crazy. It's insane. Oof. Susan Schof, Elizabeth's older sister, said that they had definitely walked over it, and Elizabeth could hear them, but they just had no idea that she was there. Right, because she said that you wouldn't know it was there if you didn't Yeah. Wait if you didn't know it was there. Yeah, exactly. You'd have to, like, clear away leaves and brush, and you're not going to do that when you're, like, looking for a person. You know what I mean? Right. So nothing came of the search that night. And the next morning, the local news had gotten wind of the story and started broadcasting about the search. And down in the bunker, Elizabeth and Vincent watched the broadcast on the tiny TV as her mother cried and pleaded for her safe... For her safe... Safed? Safe return. Yes. Safe return. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't say safe. All right. And so while the media attention was welcomed by the show family, it also spurred hundreds of tips and all of them had to be investigated. Every tip sent Elizabeth's parents to the brink because one, it was taking away from the search and two, these tips were you know, you hear reports from people saying they found a body in this county or they found a body in that county and you're just, you know, praying that it's not your daughter. So right. it's it's just a million things coming in all at once and it's like, which one is the truth? Probably none of them. Well, it was, thankfully. None of the bodies were the her, but it was a terrifying, I'm sure, <laughs> couple Wait, of... Wait, were the cops telling them what tips they were getting? I feel like you shouldn't do that. I don't know. I mean, they were hearing about the bodies that were discovered in other counties, so I'm sure they were hearing it somehow. Maybe it was like the police, or not the police, the the news. You know, they're like, oh, they found a body in this county and blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's fucked. Yeah, word gets around. Dude, you know? fuck whoever's leaking that, though. I don't, I mean, we don't know what it is. Who's giving the, the tip, but if the police are leaking that, it's fucked. I mean, I doubt... Like, you should you should not be telling them anything unless you know. No, for sure. But I mean, I, I don't know how they found out, but they just did, so... Yeah. But thankfully, none of those tips were Elizabeth, so it's, you know, good and bad. But now we're going to go into day three of Elizabeth's abduction, and Vincent would rape her throughout the day, and each day she would have a small daily chore that she had to complete, and this just kind of became her normal He would feed her ramen noodles that he would cook on a small heating plate that he had down there. And the toilet they had was a plastic patio chair with the center of the seat just broken out with a bucket underneath. And they took turns sleeping. She would sleep at night and Vincent during the day as she just sat chained to the rafters just watching him. She would just sit there and think about how much she hated him and how much she wanted him dead. But then she started to entertain another idea. What if she pretended that she was falling for him? And that's when Elizabeth started to do everything that he asked. And when he'd call her baby, she'd call him baby back. And then he started saying that he loved her and she told him that she loved him back. And before long, he began to give her little things. Like he unchained her and once in a while he'd take her out of the bunker for a minute or two. And she just kept talking to him to get him to gain a little bit more trust every every chance she got. Right. So because it was working, you know, she kind of realized that like he had this, you know, I don't know, he was fucked up. You know, he wanted her to love him. He had this weird like 
Stockholm syndrome fetish almost. And he wanted her to love him and she pretended she did, you know, because she's smart. She's yeah, very really smart. smart. Yeah. The search continued and really only expanded, which was a good thing, but also a bad thing. Uh, they had pretty much every resource out there searching for Elizabeth. They had golf carts, ATVs, they had dozens of trained searchers mounted on horses to search places to that were difficult to reach on foot. Elizabeth's 14-year-old eyes sparkled from thousands of flyers pasted all over Lugov, South Carolina, and as far away as volunteers could take them. And Sheriff Deputy Kirk Corley was put in charge of these special operations. But the bad thing was since they had no real leads to work on, they were also expanding the areas that they were looking in, which meant that they were getting further and further away from where Elizabeth actually was. Right. I mean, they, I feel like if you're combing the area so extensively, you'd be like, well, she's probably she's not, not there. here. Yeah, because they don't know who she's underground. Fuck. Right. So by day four, Elizabeth said that she didn't hear helicopters or people walking above them anymore. So it seemed like they were either looking somewhere else or they stopped searching altogether and just chalked it up to a runaway. All she could do was pray for her life. And but, try to gain this motherfucker's trust. Yeah. Yeah. And by this time, she had gotten him to believe that she, that she wouldn't try to escape. And she even got him to let her use his phone. Wow. Yeah. He knew that there was no signal in the bunker, so he would let her play games on his cell phone. And this became a normal thing. She would wake up before him and she would crawl over him as carefully as possible and sit on the ground and play games on his phone. So if he saw her using it, it wasn't a red flag. It was just normal. Oh, this is so smart. Uh -huh. She's literally normalizing her escape. Yeah. And so one morning she worked up the courage to attempt to send a message to her mother. She knew that she was in the woods somewhere near a neighborhood called Charm Hill near a construction area because she could hear the trucks going back and forth, but she didn't know exactly where she was. But she has a very, like, good description of, you yeah. know, where she is. That way it narrows down their search significantly. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like she had the wherewithal to be like, okay, there's construction going on. I yeah. can hear it. And this is the last place I was. Like, mm -hmm. that's very very good also 2006 you can't just drop a pin right no unfortunately not it was a flip phone unfortunately uh, um but you know she didn't have any signal in the bunker so his cell phone was you know like i said a an old school basic flip phone which meant typing in a message took a while and each time he would move or you know just stir a little bit she would have to delete the entire message and go back to playing games because she didn't want him to catch her obviously yeah, no, I wonder if there's like any copy paste type of thing. I have no idea. That would have been even smarter. Yeah. But yeah. And each time she would try to send it, it wouldn't go through. She even tried while he was sleeping to quietly hold the phone out of the door of the bunker to send the message, but still it wouldn't go through. So when that didn't work, she put the phone down, completely defeated, and that's when she noticed his gun in the holster sitting on the shelf next to the bed, and he was asleep. So she knew that it was some kind of pistol, but she had no idea how to use it. She had never held a gun before, but since he was asleep and she had the upper hand in this moment, she decided she would give it a try. So she slowly picked up the gun and put it to his temple. But as she pulled the trigger, the gun jammed and it didn't fire. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like it, it, the safety was on. 
it fucking jammed. Yeah, I think I think it either like wasn't loaded, and if you like fire an unloaded gun, it jams or something. Like it's. Oh my god! All that trust that she had just lost. But mm. like, I mean, I can't blame her. I would want to blow his brains out too. Yeah, well, that's no, she that's didn't. Exactly what I would have done. Well, yeah, I mean, but she didn't lose his trust because he didn't wake up. He didn't wake up. No, he didn't wake up. <laughs> <laughs> that dumb bitch. Yeah, so... Wow, how lucky. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess unlucky, but well, lucky. Yeah. Yes. So she put it back in the holster and acted as if nothing ever happened. Wow. Wait, so she either knows that the gun's not loaded or it's not working. It jammed. She, I mean, she doesn't know anything about guns, so... Yeah, okay. That's right. But, you know, I'm just thinking, like, it either doesn't have any bullets or it's not functional, right? Oh, it's If it jams I, once, like, is it going to jam again and again and again and again? I don't. Until you reload it or clean it or something? Well, I think, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not a gun expert. How, how does one gun? How does, how, how do, do guns, guns work? work? Yeah. How do gun work? I probably should know, considering I took that, like, yeah. weird class. You fire blanks? What the fuck's going on? I took a stage combat firearms work, workshop and I fired some fake guns but i don't know i don't know yeah we need to go shoot guns oh let's okay. do it <laughs> sure let's go to a shooting range <laughs> why not um so later she found out that it was a pellet pistol and even if it had gone off it likely wouldn't have done the damage that she wanted it to anyway so it was probably a good thing that it didn't go off oh wow yeah oh okay so was it a BB gun? Or yeah, was it kind air of pellet gun. Yeah, it was like a like a almost like a BB mm. gun, like pellet kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe if she had put it right to his fucking skull. Yeah. Maybe. May I don't know, but you know, it's it's probably a good thing that it didn't yeah, work. Right. But he didn't hear. He didn't wake up, and nothing happened. She just put it away like nothing ever happened. Oh so, God, I can't imagine how they how, like that moment. Where she pulls the trigger and it jams. Oh my god, I couldn't even imagine. Like, yeah. Like, that's insane. Yeah, because... She kept her composure and put it right back. Yes, she is incredibly strong. She yeah. is incredibly strong. But yeah, I couldn't even I couldn't even imagine. Because you're, you go from trying to send a message to your mother, which is already risky enough. You climb up that rickety little ladder and, and hoist up that heavy bunker door to put your hand out while this man is asleep and try to hit send. And then that doesn't work. And then you come down and you muster up the courage to essentially take a person's life, you know? I mean, even if he is your abductor and you're a monster, like, it's still killing someone. And she's 14. So that's yeah. that's an insane thing to like work up the courage to do that but I, you know wow <laughs> like it's just a lot to unpack and think about so damn but anyway he didn't wake up but when he did wake up he noticed that the gun was jammed because it didn't just unjam you have to like fix it you know mm. he got really angry and confronted Elizabeth about it because they're the only two down there so if he didn't do it then she did it you know what i mean and he asked her if she had touched his gun and she told him no and he said, but it's jammed and I didn't do that. But Elizabeth had gotten him to believe at this point that she enjoyed being with him and she loved him. So she was able to convince him that she didn't shoot the gun because she would never hurt him. And he believed her. Wow. Like that's, that's honestly like some top tier manipulation. Yeah. <laughs> from her. Yeah. She's amazing. She's great. So by this time, 
It's around day seven of her abduction. So we're going to jump forward a little bit. And at this point, he trusts her enough to take her out of the bunker and go somewhere he called the water hole. And this only ever happened at night. And he would handcuff her and walk her through the woods. And when they got there, they would just kind of like sit on the ground, I think. And he would talk on his phone to his girlfriend because... (laughs) remember the girlfriend whose 12 year old child he raped and was on the run for yeah yeah that girlfriend she was still with him and she would ask him if he knew anything about the missing girl on the news and he would tell her that he didn't know anything about it while sitting right fucking there while elizabeth was sitting directly next to him and she just had to sit there and stare at the moon and hope that someone would come through the woods at that moment and find her Okay, stop there. Okay. The girlfriend. Right. Let's go back to her. I knew you were going to go back to her. Okay. (laughs) As you should, honestly. Does anyone else listening, can you let this go, really? No. Like, I can't, in my mind, process this without having to question what the fuck she's thinking. Because, like, okay, you didn't believe her the first time. In my opinion, not so great. Right. However, perhaps forgivable, you know, at some point. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't don't know. know. Going past that, Mm -hmm. she also doesn't believe after the police start a hunt for your boyfriend and he's been on the run for an an entire year, right? Right. 12 months. But they don't know at this point that it's it's Vincent. They just know that Elizabeth is missing. But they, they, he went into hiding because Because he's on the run. Yes. Because he's on the run. Yes. Correct. Your children have been moved to Georgia. Right. And you still are in contact with this man. Yes. And also helping him. She would leave them food. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not. It's Wow. Yeah. Okay. So didn't know that detail. That's even worse. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Like, could you imagine aiding and abetting your, your child's rapist? Could you imagine? Does she know that she's doing it though? Like, is she just so stupid? I mean, I don't know. He would literally drug her. He would, he would, he would drug her and then take her daughter. And her daughter was like, Hey, this is happening to me. And she's like, no, no, it's not. So she's a shit person. And like, there's no excuse. Like it's, it's just as simple as that. You know, I don't know. But like, it also seems like she's in part a victim of him as well. Cause if she's drugging her, well, yeah, I mean, what else is he doing? No, for sure. I mean, I'm not saying that that's good and that like, he's a terrible, he's a monster, but she's also bad for yeah, not believing not her 12-year-old. No. And then housing and feeding a fugitive, uh, like a child rapist, you know? Yeah. Even an alleged child. Like, if you're, if you're, if you've got allegations out there against you for being a child, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but no thanks. <laughs> like, none, none for me, thanks. Yeah. Jesus. So. Anyway, let's go back to the story because we can still have a lot to talk about. So, so he's on the phone with his girlfriend while she's yeah, sitting right there. Yeah. And she's like, have you heard anything about this missing child? And he's like, no. So by day nine of the search for Elizabeth, Kirk Corley, a deputy from the Kershaw County Sheriff's Office, said at this point they had started to believe that it was very possible that Elizabeth wasn't alive anymore because, you know, they're looking at every possibility here and for her to be alive at this point would be a miracle. So. Right. That they're kind of losing hope quickly. I mean, it's day nine. But thankfully, Elizabeth hadn't give up yet, given up yet. And that morning, she crawled out of bed again as quietly as possible and took his phone and typed out the message that said, Hi, Mom, it's Lizzie. I'm in a hole down by the road or by Charm Hill, the road where the big trucks go. 
and quietly climbed up the ladder and lifted the heavy trap door to the bunker, stuck the phone out again, and hit send. And by some miracle, it sent. It fucking sent. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yes. Ooh. So that morning, some family and friends had organized a vigil for Elizabeth, and of course her mother was there, and she wasn't looking at her phone. But a couple of hours later, as Madeline grabbed her cell phone and keys to leave, she noticed that she had received a message from an unfamiliar number. As soon as she saw the message, she was completely in shock and turned to her husband and said, Don, this is her. And she knew that it was Elizabeth and immediately called investigators to her home. And in that moment, all Madeline wanted to do was call that number. But she decided that it would be best to wait to see what the investigators said before she did anything. Good move. Yeah. Good move. Also, how amazing that she had that thought in the emotional state that she was in. Yeah, to wait. Because you just believe that you went to your daughter's vigil. Yeah. You fully believe that your daughter's dead. Mm. I would be, or like you at least. It's possible. Are entertaining the possibility quite seriously. Yeah. And you, like I would be losing my fucking shit, period. Yeah, of course. And then she was like, wait, let's wait for investigators. Like that's very move on. Very strong. Good on you. And investigators were concerned that this could have been someone playing some kind of trick on the family but her mother said that it had to be elizabeth because she referred to herself as lizzie which no one really called her except for her family they also said that it was a good idea that she didn't call because if it was her she could potentially be putting her in danger if her captor didn't know that she sent the message which she he didn't know so thank god And the text really shot some life into the search again, because now investigators had something to work off of, and it wasn't just a blind search through random woods. Finally, now they had a specific area that they could really focus on, and U.S. Marshals started a trace on the phone number, but investigators didn't want to wait around for those results to come in, so in the pitch black darkness, they searched the area for hours. And while this was happening, all Madeline and Don could do was wait. But after they searched the place the message said she was, they found nothing. And they just worried that this was some trick or it was just another dead end. But down in the bunker, Elizabeth and Vincent started to hear helicopters again. And this made Vincent really anxious and he immediately turned on their little TV to see what the news was saying. And local news reported that they had a lead, but they couldn't specify what the lead was at that time. Thank God no one fucking leaked that information. Yeah. Would have killed her. He was definitely worried, but this gave Elizabeth some hope. The sheriff made a call to put some technical people to work on the electronic footprint of the phone left behind when the message bounced off some local cell towers. And Sheriff McCaskill said, and we were able to come together with the marshal service and triangulate between the three cell towers in the area and get the number. And when the number came back, that's when the big break came. That's when the officers found out that the phone had belonged to someone that they knew at the sheriff's office. Vincent Filia, and he lived in Elizabeth's neighborhood with his girlfriend, Cindy Hall, or at least that's where his single wide trailer home was. But like I talked about earlier, whenever the law turned up, he wasn't there miraculously. But now they knew he must be in the area and he must have Elizabeth. So armed with a search warrant this time, deputies rushed right over to his home. And when they got there, they didn't find Elizabeth, but what they did find 
was very telling and wasn't good. They found pornography and makeshift bomb making equipment, but that wasn't the most troubling. Captain David Tomley said in the trailer in the back bedroom that he shared with Miss Hall, the first thing that caught my attention was the fact that there was a mattress on the floor without the railing. And after we removed the mattress, we could see that there had been a hole cut in the floor of the mobile home. And we kept looking and we found that under the trailer, you could tell where there had been some activity under there, where somebody had actually been dropping through the floor and making footprints. They discovered that he had been digging underground hiding places, like bunkers, everywhere. So every time the police showed up to his house, like in the initial search for him, he would be there, but he would just go underground and they wouldn't find him. Oh, damn. So they didn't even, they didn't look hard enough to like look under his mattress. Exactly. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So back at the Shove home, Elizabeth's parents once again let their hopes rise because at least now they had a suspect, someone to look for an actual name. But that's when they saw the news on TV with the details of the text message and a picture of Vincent. This terrified Elizabeth's parents. Are you fucking kidding me? They had details about the text message? Yes. But this was a strategic move done by the police. And people, some people criticize for this, and some people are like, this is exactly what he should have done. Okay, yeah, I was just about to get real angry. I know. <laughs> so uh, they were absolutely terrified when they saw this on the, on the news because they thought that this had killed their daughter. Like, this was the end. But Sheriff McCaskill wanted him to know that they knew that it was him because he believed that he would come out of hiding to try to run. And he knew that he was gambling with Elizabeth's life but he believed that it was a risk worth taking. So down in the bunker, Vincent was losing his shit. He was absolutely freaking out, but Elizabeth denied everything. She told him that he would, she would never do that to him. She loved him and he could even look through the phone if he didn't believe her since she had deleted all of the messages. And she also told him that it was possible that his girlfriend sent the messages because she had known about him living in the bunker and it was possible that she wanted to give him up to the cops. She said that she could tell that he was trying to gather his thoughts in this moment and try to figure out what he was going to do. And he even asked her what he should do. He was trying to like ask for her advice. He's, he's like, should I pack my stuff? Should I start leaving? Or should I just stay and try to wait it out? And Elizabeth used this opportunity to tell him that he needed to leave because if the police found him with her, they'd put him in prison for life. And she told him that she would wait and then later she'd run away and meet up with him. This is fantastic. I know. I know. And this idiot believed her. He packed up <laughs> he packed up his things and as he was leaving, he told her he loved her. And she said it back to him as he closed the door to the bunker, leaving her alone down there. All Elizabeth could do was sit there in shock. She didn't know what to do because she didn't know if he actually had left or if he was just sitting out there waiting to see what she would do. So Wait, but they both agreed that she would run away and meet up with him. Yeah, but she's still terrified for her life and she doesn't know exactly what he's going to do because he's a crazy person that's very true however i'm just saying that at least she has like an excuse like if she leaves the bunker she's like this was all part of the prompt the plan this is all part of the plan yeah but i mean i don't know she just was in shock also just in shock and terrified exactly so she just went to sleep that night because she didn't know what to do. So the next morning, just after sunrise, Captain David Tomley and a few others 
you know, started like a line search. They started walking through the woods because they knew she was in this area. Like she had to be if she was still alive. And that morning she woke up and he wasn't next to her. Thank God. She was still completely alone down there. So by this point, she finally worked up the courage to leave the bunker. But remember, he told her that he had rigged the surrounding area with bombs all around the bunker, and she didn't know which direction to even walk in and was absolutely terrified. So she didn't know what to do. And she decided to just start yelling to see if someone could hear her. And that's when David Tomley heard a girl's voice calling out. He started calling back to her. And as soon as Elizabeth heard someone calling back to her, she just burst into tears. As he walked toward her voice and finally saw her through the trees, he was overcome with emotion because he believed that he was looking for a dead girl. And now she's alive and standing right in front of him. And so he ran, he started to run toward her. But as he approached her, she warned him not to get too close because she said that the man planted bombs around her. And he had small booby traps all around the area. There were like fishing hooks hanging from trees at like face height. And there were wooden boards with nails sticking up out of the ground. And there were homemade bombs that were found in the area. But thankfully, they didn't go off. But he got to her and they hugged and then he carried her out of the area. But as they got farther out, she said that she was okay. And she walked out of there. And as they got to the road, an ambulance arrived and they quickly got her to the nearest hospital. And Captain Tomley got himself as quick as he could up the road to Elizabeth's house to, to see her mother, Madeline. And Madeline and Don had been out all night searching. And as soon as she saw the captain, she knew. Madeline said when he said that he had her, it was my whole life. It was like my whole life started again. My heart just started beating again. And immediately, Madeline and Don rushed to the hospital. They said that they couldn't get there fast enough. And as soon as they got there, they went into the emergency room, into the private area where they were holding her, and Madeline immediately hugged and kissed her and cried and just broke down. And the first question that Elizabeth asked her father was, how's Donnie, her 12-year-old brother? <laughs> Fuck. And they didn't, he, at this point, they didn't even know what had happened to her yet. They just knew that she was alive. And the first thing she asked was how her 12 year old brother was. Right. That's how I just, every time that there's like, it seems like every person who goes through this type of shit, they never care about themselves. It's so selfless. Yeah. It's so selfless. Every time. Yeah. But so once they knew that Elizabeth was safe, the police immediately started the search for Vincent. And 19 hours later, they tracked him down in the neighboring county, less than five miles, oh my God, less than five miles from the bunker. Police had gotten a tip from a woman named Jennifer Lynn, who had, who he tried to jack her car in an attempt to escape. But she said that she knew exactly who he was as soon as she saw his face because it had been all over the news and she was with her like young daughter. And so she immediately started screaming at him and cursed him out. And she was in an interview with like the news and she said, he knew he wasn't getting my keys off me. And he said, okay, never mind," and walked off. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? That's hilarious. She was just like, no, bitch. She's like, who the Wait, fuck so do you? He came up to her while she was in her car. He came up to her as she was like walking out to her car with her daughter and he, she saw him and knew who he was and like cursed him out. And he was like, okay, never mind. He said, <laughs> oh, <laughs> pretty much. 
pretty much. So then she immediately called the police and they had a much closer tail on him. And then they found him like an hour later or something. Yeah. So when Mama Bear does not fuck around. No, Jennifer Lynn does not fuck around. So when they took him in, he still had on his green fatigues and they said that you could tell that he had been underground for quite some time, which I feel like is code for he stank. You know what I mean? Mm. So also very white. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That, that too. I'm sure they tried to interview him, but they said that he was just laughing about everything and he felt like he had gotten back at the sheriff's office because that was his grand scheme. You know, it was his whole plan was to get back at the sheriff's office. So blech. anyway, days later, what the fuck, dude. yeah, days later, Elizabeth showed up to Vincent's bond hearing and he was being charged with kidnapping, rape, impersonating an officer, and bomb-making. His common-law wife, Cindy Hall, and his mother were also both charged with aiding and abetting and uh, aiding and abetting the abduction by giving him supplies to live in the bunker. So thankfully, they were both arrested too, because... Yeah, no, I was like, I don't think she's completely innocent and all she's that. She's not. Seems, like, legally. Yeah. So that is good. Anyway, Elizabeth was terrified she would have ended up pregnant from the whole ordeal but thankfully that didn't happen and she is okay she said right after everything she felt fine she was still completely in shock and hadn't really set in exactly what had happened to her but she really started struggling about a month later when she had to go back into school for the first time because you know everyone knew who she was and what had happened to her and that's that's when everything really set in for her And she really struggled with anxiety attacks and depression. And, you know, she would just burst into tears in school. Like, it was just not good. But Elizabeth is, as we know, incredibly strong and was determined to testify in court against him. People were absolutely in awe of her strength. And they couldn't believe how much this young girl had gone through. And she could still have the bravery to face him in court and relive everything. But thankfully, right before the trial started, Vincent changed his plea to guilty. He had written a 120-page manuscript extensively detailing what he had done to Elizabeth and Amberly and how he did everything to get back at the police. It was an absolute full confession. And at the sentencing, both Elizabeth and Amberly made statements against him. The judge decided to give him the maximum sentence on each charge, and he was sentenced to 421 years with without the possibility of parole. <laughs> okay, so life. Yes, exactly. That's insane. So, like, is the max sentence 220? What? I don't know. I mean, all the things that he was charged for, he got oh. the maximum for each thing. Right. So all of that consecutively was 421. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just found this funny in the documentary about this situation uh the woman who was narrating it said and as for the bunker and then the bunker explodes and then she's like it was destroyed (laughs) she's like the bomb team took care of that so (laughs) it (laughs) she was like a big dramatic effect yeah it was it was funny so apparently the bomb team took care of the bunker meaning they blew it up which is rigged it yeah so that's cool wait so here's the question did they go and like so obviously they didn't disarm all the bombs, but mm-hmm. did they like disarm them, then blow it up? Or did they just like put a bunch of dynamite and like, well, this is going to blow and anything else is also going to blow. We'll just like clear the area and just light it up. Um, I didn't look further into how they detonated the bunker, but they blew it up. 
I'm just excited about how it blew up. Sure, I understand, but I can't give you that answer. I I apologize. Big boom. Yeah, big boom. That's cool. Since then, Elizabeth has gone through years of therapy and is actively moving on. She said that you have to look at the whole picture. There are way more good times than bad times. You just got to move on. And the officer who initially found Elizabeth said many times, quote, I received credit many times for saving her. I did not. That child saved herself. Today, she is working as a dental assistant, or at at least at the time of the documentary, and at night, studies to become a dental hygienist. Oh, what the fuck? She's great. She's great. She, She went through school. Yeah. And is continuing to do so. Yeah. And the documentary, I believe, was made in 2018. So not too, not too long ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's perseverance. And I believe she is still dating the guy she had in high school before the whole ordeal. Oh, or at least no she way. she was for a while. I don't know if it like carried through, but um, yeah. That's amazing if she is. Yeah. She, at the time of the documentary, she had a great she said she had a great boyfriend. So I think it was the same guy. I don't know. But yeah, Amberly also moved on and has worked hard to go through college and has become a first grade teacher and is married with children. So just that is also really good. I love that. I know. And so Elizabeth said that her strength came from the support that she has in her family. And like I said, uh, a great boyfriend. And she said, if you keep pushing, you can make yourself happy. And she said the dust may never fully settle, but she is at peace. And that is the story of Elizabeth Schoff. Now, it's good to know that both of them are doing in, well in better, way better places. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. They're both extremely strong. And Elizabeth, wow, you know? Yeah. No, I'm just thinking about the multiple times where I was like, damn, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. When she mentioned the construction site and then had the balls to send the text and try to shoot this bitch. Yeah. And she attempted to send the text like multiple times. And I then, mean, it's it's the only thing you have. So like, yeah, I, I understand. Right? It's the only thing you can do unless I was also thinking like, well, he did say that he rigged the place. Mm-hmm. But I was like, maybe you could have like, I feel like if attempted she stayed in for, away. yeah, if she stayed in for long enough, that probably would have became her only option. There are so many loud cars tonight. Yeah. You know, it's a drag race outside in LA Love that. at all times. And yeah, and then she also like just didn't back. I mean, she didn't really have a choice, but she was convincing enough mm-hmm. to make him believe things were like that were demonstrably false. Oh, yeah. I don't think that just anyone could have pulled off what no. she did. She is extremely no. smart. She is extremely strong and very impressive. Like, no doubt. The other part of the story I want to talk about is when they intentionally leaked the info. The text. To like. That is a very risky move. Yeah. It is an extremely I mean, it, worked out. it worked out, thank worked out. fuck. But that was an extremely risky move. And he said he knew he was gambling with her life. Like that's not a small thing to gamble with, you know? Yeah. I mean But you it, know, you don't you never know. I mean that was the reason he ended up leaving. Like, I mean, that tied with her insane <laughs> like manipulation skills, you know? That, Being like, You need to leave. I'm I love you. I'll come meet you, you know? We'll yeah, run away I mean, together. He asked her. <laughs> I know. He's like, what do I do? She's like, leave. Of course. I can't. It's like, if I was her in that moment, I would be dumbfounded. I'm like, you're asking me? She even said in the like NBC blog um, that was, you know, off of the initial article, she said like she knew that he was stupid. <laughs> like she was like, <laughs> in, in so many words, she was like, well, he was stupid and I knew I was smarter than him. So she just outsmarted him and it wasn't that hard you know (laughs) which is just funny like that's funny that's how she puts it (laughs) i know i mean i don't i don't have the exact words but you know 
It was something along those yeah. lines. But anyway, there's also a movie, I believe it's called Girl in the Bunker, that I think you can also find on Amazon. I watched it and it's good. It's, it's pretty accurate. And like, oh, and another thing that I forgot to mention, he had this blanket, this like, you know, the, the kind of like crinkly blanket you put on like after oh, you space run. Blanket? Yeah, like a space blanket. He, he had this blanket that he would hold over over them when there was a helicopter going by because if they used infrared cameras, they could see, like, their heat. But with this blanket over them, it, like, canceled it out. Isn't that crazy? Wait, so he was dumb, but he had that thought. Well, yeah, I mean, he was, like, a survivalist and, like, a camper guy. So he, like, knew the... And he also was planning this out for months and, like, was actively trying to get back at the police. So he, he knew what he knew. But he wasn't, like, very smart, you know? Mm, those things are pretty reflective. Yeah, that's what like, I thought, too. If there was any spotlight, you know, you'd kind of be like, what the fuck? Yeah, because they did that in the movie. And I, in, when I was watching it, I was like, I doubt that that's an actual fact. And then I was reading, a, like, an article about it. And I was like, oh, that actually, he did that. That was yeah, a real thing. Yeah, I mean, thing. if he covered up well enough, then that makes yeah. sense. But anyway, that is the story. You, you got a good thing? Um, I'm gonna let you go first as I scramble to find something that's positive about my life. Oh, oh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Everything's fine. But. Yeah, no, I know. Um, okay, I'll go first. My my good thing is pretty small, but like I'm proud of myself. I I, I did a very short workout, but it's the first workout that I've done in like a while, and it was like embarrassingly hard. But I'm proud that I did start it, and I want to keep going and you know, no, be, you did it. be better. I mean, I, I did the whole thing. I didn't like stop and take breaks. It was just, it was difficult. And then I was very sweaty and embarrassed at myself. And then I took a shower and here I am. <laughs> you did great. Thanks. One step at a time. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, I played night golf for the first time. Night golf. So like I went out late enough to the point where it got dark and my body got these glow in the dark golf balls and you hit them. Fun. And they, you, you are can very see easy them. To They're find. glow in the dark. Uh, contrary to regular golf balls. Right. But they don't go as far, but it was really fun because I'd never done that before. Wow. So that's my good thing. That's great. But thank you so much for listening. And we hope you come back next week. If you would like to follow along with the pictures that we post, follow us on Instagram at notstay underscore podcast. Send us an email or a DM. You know, I, I feel like I answer DMs more. <laughs> but send us an email. I'll, I'll look at them. Uh, at notodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter at notodaypodcast with a T on the end of podcast as a three. We, that makes sense. Um, make sense we have a tiktok not today podcast and i swear i'm gonna start posting more on it uh and that is that and we have a youtube channel now oh yeah we're posting on youtube now i will slowly begin to catch up with our episodes yeah it's just the episodes with like our our logo it's just another place to listen so if you would rather listen on youtube feel free to do so if not (laughs) keep doing what you're doing have a great day and just keep breathing yeah yeah